Welcome to a new episode of Some Like It Pop, Broadway Radio's pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Matt Timonetti, and I'm joined, as always, by Broadway Radio's Los Angeles Bureau Chief, Jennifer McHugh. Jen, happy holidays, happy new year. Uh, I'm really glad. It's been a while since we've done a podcast together, mainly because of the football season, but uh, it's nice to, to chat with you IRL, or not IRL, but uh, not through text or anything like that. It has definitely been a minute. I, do you remember the last time we did an, an episode of this? Was it the Oscars before the world went to shit? <laughs> um, I don't know. Did we do one for the Emmys? I feel like we probably did one for Maybe, the Emmys. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. Yeah, we did. And right. we might. We might have had. Yeah, I. I don't know if we had a this week in theater after that or not, but I'm feeling like it might be an Emmys uh, wish, want, and will. That was the last time we recorded something together. But we are here. At the end of 2022, and as we have done many times over the last however many years we've been podcasting together, we're going to take a look back at some of our favorite things that we saw in the worlds of pop culture in 2022. Um, For me, and I did not put this on you because we're in a little bit of a different situation, since I had an episode with uh, Grace and Ashley come out of my favorite theater from 2022, I'm not going to mention anything theater. You are obviously welcome to do that. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts on the best theater that I saw in 2022, feel free to head over to that episode, which is already in your podcast feed. I do want to mention one thing, though, that I somehow forgot to include um, in my best of 2022, something that I is still kind of making its way around the world. It's Alex Edelman, Just For Us. It is a great one-person show. Um, I didn't include it on my list somehow. I overlooked it, but it's really great. So check a look for that. But other than that, you and I, we could, it can be TV, it can be movies, it can be books, it can be podcasts, it can be anything from the pop culture realm that we consumed in 2022. I think most, not all, but most of the things that I have on my list actually came from 2022. There's one thing that was from a previous uh, year, but everything else came from 2022, not just something that I watched in 2022 from you know previous years. Um, but I think that kind of covers the basis, Jen. Is there anything else that like, did you put any limitations on what you included in your list? I will, I included one thing that is not from 2022 okay, that great. I watched this year. Great. But it was fulfilling a goal, so I was going to talk about ah, that. Ah, oh yeah. Okay, got it. So <laughs> we, um, we are going to do this. We're going to alternate back and forth. If we have an overlap somewhere, which I think we might, I'm not sure how many, but I think we'll have at least a couple. Um, the person who has it on the higher spot on their list will wait to talk about it when it gets to it on their list. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about the resolutions that we made for ourselves and each other for 2022 at the end of the episode and then give each other uh, and ourselves some pop culture related 2023 New Year's resolutions. So Jen, let's dive into our list. I figure 10 through 6, we can go through fairly quickly uh, and then kind of talk a little bit more about 5 through 1. Did you want to go first or do you want me to kick it off? I can go first. All right, go for it. Uh, The first thing I was going to talk about was the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. Um, Even though it's a very, very sad reason to have a concert, um, I don't know what kind of a rock and roll guy you are, but... Foo Fighters is my favorite band. Dave Grohl's my hero. Yeah, we've talked so, about him before. You've talked about his book before <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when Taylor died back in March, um, cause of death still unrevealed. Uh, it it was really sad to watch the heartbreak that Dave and his band and his family and Taylor's family went through, um, especially since it's, you know, 
the second time in rock and roll history that Dave's lost his best friend in his band. So they put together this tribute concert, one in London and one in Los Angeles, of all these people coming together to pay tribute to Taylor and what an influence he was and what a kind guy he was. And they live streamed it on Paramount+. Plus. And I got up at six in the morning and watched the whole thing, which turned out to be a four-hour event. And it was very sad, but very beautiful. And if you like that kind of music, or if you just, you know, want to go to a concert without having to be around people, I think it's still available on Paramount Plus, and I highly recommend it. Yeah, the that was the, the reason you got up at six was because that was the London one. I don't believe there was any live stream for the LA one, which I thought was a little strange, but I, who knows if it has something to do with rights and unions or whatever along those lines. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it was basically the same lineup. There was maybe mm. one or two that were different. So maybe it was just kind of redundant. Um, but I think, you know, there was a lot of uh, Brit British performers in the London one, obviously. And uh, it was just a really great concert, despite the very, very tragic cause for it. Yeah. My number 10 is very different. And I'm going to start with a book. This is a book that ended up on former President Barack Obama's favorites list for 2022. It was an NPR and Time Best Book of the Year honoree. It is called Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. It is a a really interesting slow burn of a story where we are introduced at the very beginning to our narrator who just happens to run into a former college classmate whom he barely recognizes in an airport lounge. And this former acquaintance friend tells him of the story of his adult life ever since leaving college. He starts off by resuscitating a drowning man, which is where the title Mouth to Mouth comes in. And for whatever reason, this leads the protagonist in the story to become somewhat obsessed with this person and to kind of like try to figure out who he is and to try to ingratiate himself into this person's life. It turns out that this person was a renowned and influential art dealer. And this main character, his name is Jeff, um, kind of starts to surreptitiously put himself into his orbit and into his life. And it kind of goes from there. Um, At no point did this book twist the way that I thought it would twist. There are certainly twists and turns, but it never kind of went the way that I thought it would. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And um, I've got a, a few other books by Antoine Wilson that I would like to read because I really, uh, really liked this book and liked his writing style. I haven't gotten to him yet, but I would recommend Mouth to Mouth by Antoine Wilson. I'm always looking for book recs. We, we yeah. talk about books a lot, you and I. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, all right, moving on to number nine. What do you have at number nine, Jen? Well, I have a book as well, and I don't know. I think I've talked to you about it, but I don't know if it's your thing. Okay. It is called Fairy Tale by Stephen King. Oh. And I've never really read a lot of Stephen King. I read The Shining and I read It, but this is a weird um, departure. It's almost like two books in one, um, one taking place in the real world and one half taking place in a fantasy realm. And It's like sounds like Once Upon a Time, the TV show. Pretty much. It was really, really... It was just real page turner. I well, I listened to books. So it was a real swiper, but um, I I just loved it. I couldn't put it down. And the guy that read it, I think, is a Broadway guy. Oh, who is it? Do you know the name? Seth Numrich. The name no? is vaguely familiar, but I don't 
think I know who he is. Well. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's done. He was in Merchant of Venice on Broadway, Golden Boy, War Horse, and Travesties. He's also done a lot of stuff off Broadway as well. So, okay, great. Yeah, theater guy. Well, because I listen to the books that I read, um, I love when Broadway people do it because they seem to be the best at it. And my boyfriend is really in into this book series that he's reading based on the show, The Expanse. Well, I should say the show's based on the books. Mm -hmm. And Jefferson Mays reads them and he's obsessed with Jefferson Mays. And I was like, well, boy, do I have good news for you. (laughs) So So, anyway, this book is great. And it's not Stephen King-ish. It's it's very, it's not scary. It's just really a great story. And I think they're making it into a movie. So fairy tale by Stephen King. My brother is a huge Stephen King fan, and I've never been able to get into it just because, like, it's just walls and walls of prose, and uh, that's never been my thing. And I know he varies that at some point, so I don't know if that's like this or not, Um, but I often, my mind wanders when I just look at a wall of text and there's not action or there's not dialogue or anything like that, so... Um, I have some Stephen King books on my shelf, but I've not read a ton of them. Well, he is he is big into world building and which is kind of necessary in this kind of a genre. But I it was riveting to me. Very cool. Um, All right. So I think this is my only movie. Yeah, it's my only movie on the list. Uh, I have a lot of TV on my list, which is no surprise. But my only movie on my list is one that I saw. In movie theaters, I could only see it for one week in movie theaters because it had just a one-week turn, and then it went away before heading to Netflix just a few days ago, and that is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Jen, have you watched this movie yet? Yes, sir, I have. Okay. Is this on your list, or or can I go ahead and talk about it here? Uh, No, go ahead and talk about it. I'll talk about it with you, but go ahead. Yeah, so this is obviously the second whodunit by Ryan Johnson following the, I believe, 2019 movie. Both of these movies are absolutely star-studded, and they are led by Daniel Craig as Master Detective Benoit Blanc. This one features an ensemble cast of Ed Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, uh, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista. It is set uh, almost entirely... And I don't want to spoil anything, but almost entirely set on a Greek island, which is owned by a kind of generic and undefined tech billionaire played by Ed Norton. And he brings all of his closest friends, who are all some sort of high profile, influential people in their own rights, to his island during COVID to do a murder mystery birthday party. And somehow Benoit Blanc ends up there as well. And he has to kind of decide what's really going on and and is there a murder for real and is there not uh again won't get into all of the details of that because i definitely think it's something to watch but jen what i love about both of these movies and this one's a little different because i think this one's a little bit played more broadly because the characters are these performers both in some cases like legitimate performers uh especially with like dave bautista and even kate hudson's character who's a model and then Catherine Hahn's character, who is a politician. So we have a lot of these really broad, big personalities. But what I love about this is that, like, Ryan Johnson as a writer, there are just so many really funny, really smart, insightful lines that are nestled in between all of this ridiculousness with these characters. And I think he really kind of subverts the murder mystery trope where I don't think this is a spoiler. 
the murder is not exactly like figuring out who the murderer was is not exactly the most interesting thing in this story, at least not to me. So I really, really enjoyed this. It was unbelievably timely, even though they literally filmed this during COVID. The fact that a, a movie about a, a really smart but idiotic billionaire came out right now when we're going through what we're going through over on the Twitter machine, like it felt prescient. And I really enjoyed this. I love whodunits. I love these types of mysteries. And I love just big groups of famous people getting to be famous and being fun. And I don't know that I've ever seen Janelle Monet in a comedy, but man, is she good in this. So uh, Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery, the only movie on my list coming in at number nine. Yeah, it was amazing. I think I turned to my boyfriend at like three times and went, boy, this is just a good time. It's exactly. just, it's so fun. Like you just smile through the whole thing. Yeah. And it's, it's smart. And like, I, I feel like it probably is one that even if you know what everything is going to happen, it will still reward you more and more every time you watch it. And um, it's funny because like they do these things and, and again, I won't give details, but like I clocked something the first time I saw it and it, that led to a, a pretty important thing. And I was like, oh, I see something just happened here. And it it ended up leading to a pretty monumental event in the movie. But they as as Benoit Blanc is kind of investigating things, they go back and they kind of rehash it over and over. But they show you a slightly different version of it. So I almost Mandela affected myself because the way that they were describing it is not actually mm-hmm. how it was the first mm-hmm. time. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I just missed it the first time. But no, I was right. But it was just so expertly done. So I love this. Love the fact that we're going to get at least one more of these movies on Netflix. And I have a feeling that this is a series that is going to go on for years and years to come because I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. I know exactly the moment you're talking about. And we did the exact same thing (laughs) and even rewound it to make sure we weren't crazy. Yeah. So good. Very, very good. Um, All right, Jen, what do you have at number eight? I'm going to talk about something that's pretty old, but uh, I watched it this year. I subscribed to PBS. So I bought a passport and I decided to educate myself by watching Ken Burns Vietnam. Oh, um, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. Mm-hmm. So when I was in high school, Vietnam was not talked about. It was not allowed to be discussed. It was not brought up. It was too soon. And the Vietnam vets that returned to my town, um, I was told to stay away from them because they were scary. And I wanted to learn more about the war and the effects of the war without such a lens of it being just 10 years prior. So I sat and watched 10 episodes of Ken Burns Vietnam, two hours each, and hot take, it was not great. <laughs> the war or the um, documentary? The war. Yeah, okay, got The it. documentary yeah. is Obviously, great. It's number eight. And yeah, he, yeah. he talks to everybody. He talks to Vietnam vets who wish they were still there. He talks to them who are very anti-war. He talks to Viet Cong. He talks to protesters. He talks to prisoners. He talks to everybody. So you get every perspective of that war. And I learned a lot that I was never educated on. And I don't think that anyone is educated that deeply, but it's a tough watch. It's a tough sit, but I um, am glad that I know more now than just when I was little and told to stay away from these veterans. Now that we understand PTSD and what they were going through and there was no assistance to help them, 
you know, readjust to society and normal life. I understand why they were considered scary, but also that no one was helping them. So I feel better for watching it, but I'm glad that I don't have to watch it again. I've got a uh, a hot take for you. Um, documentaries, especially ones that air on on PBS and other reputable outlets, they're good. They're really good. Uh, I don't watch a ton of them. You watch more documentaries than I do. But every time I'm flipping through the channels and find something on PBS that looks interesting, if I just sit there and watch it, like I'm like, oh yeah, this this is what this could be, both entertaining and informative. So I don't know that I will seek that one out, um, but I should watch more documentaries. I feel like that's something that I, it's probably not on my resolutions list, but it probably should be. All right. My number eight is a show that I feel like you probably have watched, but we haven't talked about. So maybe you haven't. Um, it is a show that is actually airing its second season of the calendar year on Apple TV Plus right now. It is based on a series of spy novels by Mick Heron called Slough House. This is the TV show, TV show Slow Horses. It stars um, uh, Gary Oldman as kind of this crumpled, thrown away, miserable um, MI5 agent in London who is put in charge of a an office for the spy agency in London, which is where they put all of kind of like the people who've screwed up enough to not get a whole lot of action, but not screwed up enough to fire. And of course, in the first season, they end up being at the center of a major uh, mystery. And I'm actually have, I've only a couple episodes into season two because they are rolling them out. And I've kind of gotten a little bit behind because of my travel and the holidays. But especially looking at season one, I really, really enjoyed this show. I love a good spy thriller. And this one has some comedy in it. It's fun. Uh, Gary Oldman, as complicated and problematic as he is as a human being, the character of Jackson Lamb that he plays is Really fantastic. Jack Loudon is kind of the up and coming MI5 agent that is un- MI5 agent that is under his tutelage, and Kristen Scott Thomas is the deputy director general of MI5, and she is often at odds with Gary Oldman's Jackson Lamb. The mystery was really interesting. The way that they kind of went about explaining this whole world was great. A lot of the other people who are at Slough House uh, are really fantastic actors and a lot of fun to watch. So I'm excited the fact that they have already greenlit this for two additional seasons. They actually ran a trailer for season two at the end of the season finale for season one. It had already been filmed. Um, There's a ton of books in this book series. So I'm hoping that this is just something that they can pump out six episodes pretty quickly and, uh, you know, have one or two seasons every year. The season finale of this actually lands today on Friday, December 30th. So I've got, I think, four episodes to catch up on, but it's a it's a ton of fun. And if you like a good, hard-boiled, very dry humor spy mystery, uh, this would definitely be something for you. I have not watched it. Um, I have a friend, Voltaire, who messages me after every episode and asks if I've watched it yet. Um, so it is definitely on my list, but I have not watched it yet. Cool. All right. What's, uh, what's at number seven for you, Jen? I will do a movie as well that I don't know if you would enjoy Hmm. because of the cringe factor, but I really enjoyed the weird owl movie. Oh, I haven't watched it, but I feel like I should because everyone was talking about it. Well, you might feel dumb in not realizing this beforehand like I did, but oh, that it's it not is, actually his story. It's it's, it's a, a, parody it's a parody of a biopic. Yeah. yeah. And there's a there's a moment 
in the first 15 minutes when you realize what you're watching and you're just like, how did I, of course, of course, like, (laughs) of course, (laughs) this is what they're doing. The cameo parade rivals that of Glass Onion. Um, It's just fun to see comedians portraying like Salvador Dali and Gallagher and such. Um, But it is a, it is a wild ride. And um, it's worth it for Evan Rachel Wood's portrayal of Madonna. And it's just a lot of fun. I I hope you watch it. Daniel Radcliffe is just so good. Um, Unrecognizable. And if you just need something silly and um, brainless, this is is the one for you. Awesome. I love that. I I definitely meant to watch it on on Roku, but never got around to it just because of timing. So uh, I'll definitely keep that on the list. My number seven is a show that, again, I really enjoyed, but I don't know if you ended up uh, watching it at all. It is a science fiction Western TV show that aired on Prime Video this past spring. Stars Josh Brolin, Lily Taylor, Imogen Poots, Lewis Pullman, Noah Reed, uh, Tom Pelfrey, and others. It is called Outer Range. This is a show that kind of tries to bridge the gap between like Twilight Zone and Yellowstone, um, which I did not mean to make that rhyme, but it did nonetheless. Uh, Josh Brolin plays a Wyoming rancher who is kind of fighting to save his land, and he discovers this mysterious black void in the middle of his pasture. And this woman named Autumn who is very strange. She's a poet. She just shows up and asks if she can live on his land. She seems to be following some sort of signs and nothing makes sense about all we can figure out about this black void in the middle of his pasture is that it is time itself. And if that sounds weird and doesn't make sense, yeah, that's the point. But the character portrayals are really interesting. There's, um, some interplay with it with a neighboring family who it turns out unsurprisingly has some sort of connection to the void as well. And it's uh, it was just weird and interesting and bizarre. It was created and show run and written by playwright Brian Watkins, who had a show at Lincoln Center Theater earlier this year. And it's just great. Like it was weird. It was bizarre. It was fun. It was kooky. Uh, recent Tony winner Deidre O'Connell, who also I just saw in Becky Nurse of Salem, uh, is in it as well. And it has been renewed for a second season, which is great because it definitely left off on a cliffhanger. So uh, I really enjoyed it and would recommend it to anybody who likes their stuff a little weird and a little out there and doesn't need everything explained to them. So uh, out of range on Amazon Prime Video. Yet another one I haven't watched yet. You're just giving me more content that I don't have time for. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, All right, number six. What do you have, Jen? Uh, The Super Bowl halftime. Oh, wow. From from February. Was that one of my favorite moments of the year? Was that the the Dre and Snoop one? Yep. Yep. The Super Bowl was in LA here down the street. And uh, so they took it upon themselves to do an LA rap superstars of the 90s old school performance, including Dr. Dre, Mary J, Snoop, Eminem, Kendrick. And for someone who is this white girl from the mountains of Pennsylvania, when I discovered rap in the early 90s, um, it was very East Coast driven because obviously I was in school in New York and that's what I knew about. So imagine my surprise when I moved out here 
into mm. Los Angeles in 1998 and discovered the West Coast scene, um, even though Mary Jay's East Coast, but whatever. Um, it was just really fun. And it's a different genre than a lot of people, you know, in our world and Broadway and everything listen to. But if, you know, there's people who are fans of Hamilton and they can definitely see seeds of some of this rap in there. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, this halftime show I thought was was brilliant. <clears throat> and um, my mother, who hates rap, was thought it was very entertaining. She said it looked like they were having a good time. And I just thought that was adorable. <laughs> so uh, it was one of my favorite moments of the year because, you know, the stadium in L.A. is new and they did an L.A. tribute and then the Rams won and you know, for for us in this household and clearly in my apartment building, it was a good day. <laughs> there is actually a um, a documentary on, oh gosh, is it Showtime maybe? Um, yeah, on uh, Showtime called The Show, which just came out um, looking at this halftime show. And uh, so if you're interested in that, if you have Showtime, check that out. And I will say uh, The Chronic 2001 is one of the best albums of all time. So no arguments here. I, I can't disagree. Um, all right. Going to my number six, I watched two seasons of this. Um, only one of them actually premiered in 2022, but it was one of those things where like I hadn't watched the first season. I heard it was great. So I wanted to catch up for the second season. The second season did not disappoint uh, in living up to the hype that the first season created for me. But I am going to talk about both of the first two seasons of Hacks, which is a dramedy, comedy, drama, half-hour show on HBO Max, starring the great Gene Smart, also featuring Hannah Einbinder and Carl Clemens Hopkins. Has great performances by tons of other folks, including um, Christopher McDonald and Rose Abdu, Caitlin Olsen, Poppy Liu, uh, Megan Statler. Um, Also, one of the show's creators, uh, Paul W. Downs, is in the cast as well. Just so smart, so funny. I would watch Jean Smart do anything, but to see her play this character, which has so many interesting layers and they don't ever settle for like the cheap, easy joke or characterization of who you think this person is, which who is essentially like um, Joan Rivers in a, in a lot of ways, but she's, she's nuanced and the interplay between her and Hannah Einbinder, who plays her millennial comedy writer is just beautiful and we all know that i love the sentimental stuff and there's certainly plenty of that but they never let it get too sweet whenever you think it's getting to the point where it's getting a little too treacly they kind of like shove a little knife into you to be to remind you of what the show is actually is um great guest appearances too as you mentioned jefferson mays showed up in in one of the episodes of this uh laurie metcalf also showed up ming na win margaret cho devin sawa uh it's just some harriet harris in there as well some really i mean just really a, a phenomenal show and um something that i'm looking forward to having more and more seasons of this because hacks is one of the best things on television I have watched season one. I have not watched season two. Awesome. Well, I highly recommend it. Uh, I think that you will enjoy it. I was just going to say that everybody raves about season two. Yeah, it's different because the first season is set in Las Vegas. And in season two, they go out on the road to try out new material. And so it kind of gets you out of the very comfortable Las Vegas setting and kind of puts people on different playing fields, which is fascinating in a lot of ways. All right, Jen, what do you have at number five? 
Well, as you know, Matt, uh, for the first time in a few years, I got to go back to Broadway. And Mm -hmm. I know you see 160 shows a year. Mm -hmm. I see one. So maybe my expectations were high. Um, I was going with family, so we had to choose a show that everybody would agree on. So we chose MJ the Musical. And there are a lot of complicated feelings going into seeing a show like that. But Mm -hmm. I tried to put those aside and just go for the performances because after... Miles Frost won the Tony. I said I knew that I wanted if I was going to see it, I wanted to see it with him. And he did not disappoint. He is a force to be reckoned with. He was um something like I had never seen before. And that made going worth it. Um the subject matter is tough. They don't shy away from it, but they also don't apologize for it. Like I I don't I don't really know how to feel about that, but they addressed it in some interesting ways. And even though it's not an explanation for things that happened, they do focus a lot on the trauma. So I will say that one of my favorite moments of the year was seeing Thriller performed in MJ mm-hmm. the Musical because it brought the house down. And I have never been in a show on Broadway where the show stopped and gave an, a standing ovation for that long. It felt like the show was over and there was still a half an hour to go. So it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. I was so happy to be back at Broadway. The only thing that turned me off, and maybe this was just this night, this show, or... No, it wasn't. The audience was horrific. I hated it. Like, I was so anxious the whole time because the show was 90% of the ushers running around telling people to get off their phones. And I don't mean just looking at their phones. I don't mean just texting. I mean taking phone calls and just blatantly talking. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. And I I couldn't get out of there fast enough, even though I was really enjoying what I was watching on stage. Yeah, I don't mind um, audiences that are vocal and they're supporting and, and kind of responding in ways that might be unconventional for some theater goers. But when you start getting them with the phones like that, that becomes an an issue and uh, that bothers me. So yeah, not, not a fan of that. I think, I think people just thought of it as a concert atmosphere, which is understandable because want to be starting something is a concert. I mean, yeah, it was crazy, but even at a concert, I would be pretty mad if people just started taking phone calls and just having a conversation, not like, is something wrong, but like, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm like, are you kidding? That's unbelievable. Right now? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so anyway, right. besides that, Thriller was one of the best things I've ever seen on stage. Awesome. All right, I'm going to go with my number five, and it is a show that I feel like I've recommended to you as well, but I don't know that you've ended up watching it either. It is an HBO, HBO Max show that stars cabaret icon Bridget Everett. It is called Somebody Somewhere, and in the show, Bridget Everett's character named Sam is a woman in her 40s who moves back to her hometown of Manhattan, Kansas, following the death of her sister and tries to rebuild her life without a whole lot of direction. And through kind of just circumstances, she falls in with a group of people in her hometown, which is uh, led by the hilarious and incredible Jeff Hiller and kind of just finds this community in this town that she wanted nothing to do with for a long time. And it's sweet, but also not just kind of like this feel good thing. It deals with a lot of issues of 
depression. It deals with feelings of loss. It has a huge um, LGBTQ component to the show. The kind of group that embraces her is this group of people who meet together in this Midwestern Great Plains town in Kansas because they feel like they don't have a, a a queer community outside of these walls. The phenomenal drag king Murray Hill is one of the cast members as well. And it's just such a sweet and touching and thoughtful show. It has been renewed for a second season. The one sad thing about the show is that Mike Haggerty, who plays Bridget Everett's father, uh, actually passed away after the first season. So I'm sure that this show that was already rooted in a death of a family member will have to deal with that again in season two. So I'm looking forward to it. It's a great kind of like seven episode, 25, 30 minute show that will give you all the feels, but it's also unlike anything that I've ever seen. It's quiet, it's contemplative, but it's funny and it's empowering and it's touching. So somebody somewhere is my number five thing for 2022. I think we had talked about that on the Emmy episode when you had your mm-hmm. wishes yeah. for certain nominations. Yeah, it's it's great. And it's it's another one of those things that you can just kind of like knock out really quickly. So um, really, really enjoyed that one. All right. What is your number four, Jen? Well, I was looking at our goals for this year that we did last year at this time. And this is in fulfillment of one of those Yay. goals. And I started watching more horror (laughs) oh not the one i thought you were going with okay all right good okay i we started watching more horror and we actually watched a new horror movie that came out this year and it was fantastic and i couldn't believe how much i enjoyed it it's called barbarian oh yeah and it stars bill skarsgård and justin long and the best part about it is, is that's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because it's, there's nothing I can say about the plot without giving anything away. Okay. But it was great. And I was, I just really enjoyed it. And I'm surprised how much I've really leaned into the genre because when it's done well, it's really great. And so I'm proud of myself for trying to like mm-hmm. brave up and, watch some of these movies because I've seen some really good horror movies this year and I'm really, really happy, but it's, it's nice to see that in 2022, it's not just a slasher. There's some really good storytelling involved and um, barbarian was great. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah. There, there was a couple of horror movies that came out and I'm not a horror person either, but that sounded like things that I would want to watch. There were those, the two related movies, it was X and Pearl that people loved um, which like Pearl is kind of a prequel spinoff of X and there's supposed to be a third one in the works as well. Um, there's that one. I loved the, the scream movie I really enjoyed. Um, so there's definitely some, some good things going on there, but I am definitely not a horror head either. All right. My number four is a show that if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that this would not be my number one favorite thing, I would have been shocked, but this was certainly the thing in the first quarter of the year, first half of the year that kind of like occupied a ton of my mental capacity. And that is the Apple TV plus thriller, science fiction, psychological conspiracy show severance. We've talked about it before. Um, 
I feel at this point, I, we, I, we've talked about it. I don't need to go into a lot of detail about it, but it, it basically is the story of these workers who go to work at a corporation that uses this technology that mind wipes you. Uh, so it separates your work life and your home life. So you don't remember anything about work when you're at home and you don't remember anything about home when you're at work and all of the different ways that these separate personalities that live inside a singular body can manifest themselves. It is uh, a nine episode first season. Six of those nine episodes were directed by Ben Stiller and it has an incredible cast featuring Adam Scott, Zach Cherry, Britt Lower, Tremel Tillman, who I've interviewed here, um, Jen Tullock, uh, Dykan Lackman, um, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette. Um, it just, uh, oh, and Michael Chernis, who I can't forget, who plays Adam Scott's brother-in-law. Just absolutely bizarre. Uh, Tony winner Nicky M. James shows up as well. And uh, it, there was a little bit of a lull, I think, in the middle third of the season, Jen. But man, I don't know that I've ever seen a season of television nail the last two episodes of a season as well as Severance did. Those two things could have been the most impressive works of television that I've seen in a long time, except for something that is going to come up later on my list. Yeah. You, you forced me to watch it and we, we ate it up. Um, and your, yours is going to lead into my number three. So if I could just use that segue. Yeah, go for it. I would, I, I would like to praise the return of cool opening credits. Oh yeah. So many of them. <laughs> uh, severance is definitely up there, but I definitely want to shout out Pachinko and mm -hmm. Peacemaker. The best, such the best. Because I, if we could have all TV shows with the cast dancing over the opening credits, I'm here for it. Um, Peacemaker, it set the tone immediately, and the same. And with, with Pachinko, it it doesn't, <laughs> but it's just delightful to watch. So, like, they're both doing the same thing; they're both dancing, but they have two completely different tones than what the show is. And I just, I hope that this trend continues. And Severance didn't have them dancing, but it certainly set the tone for you. You, you weren't sure what you were going to be watching, and it was it was beautifully done. It was mostly computer graphics, I think. And um, and if there's any others you can think of, you know, to throw in there. Yeah, but, I think yeah, P Pachinko and Peacemaker are both on my um, like honorable mentions list, and another show on my honorable mentions list that had a a pretty cool, if a little bit more traditional, but a pretty cool opening credits was the After Party, uh, as well, which I which I really enjoyed that one too. Yeah, exactly. I, I I like I miss that art form because there's been such this trend in the last 10, 15 years where they want to get you from the cold open into the show so that you don't turn the channel, but now with streamers like. You can skip it if you want, but why would you want to? Like, I want to see Never. John Cena dancing. Yeah, so good. And uh, the guy who plays his dad, whose name I can't remember, who was the villain in Terminator. T2. Yeah. yeah. Um, him dancing. Robert Patrick? Yeah, yeah, I believe that's it. Um, it's just hilarious. So perfect. I love that. Uh, my number three is actually the thing, the only thing that was able to deliver something that was more technically and emotionally impressive to me from a from an execution standpoint than the last two episodes of Severance. And that was The Bear. Is this on your list at all, Jen? It's in my honorable mentions, but okay. I had a feeling you would mention it. So I yeah. I left it there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get into the specifics of like that one thing that really blew me away. But it. 
stars Jeremy Allen White, who I only really knew from Shameless. I mean, I don't know what else he has done, if much of anything. And I thought it was interesting that he is playing a not dissimilar character, also from Chicago, a little rough around the edges, incredibly talented in Shameless. He was like brilliant. I think he was like an engineering student or something. Here he is like one of the most highly decorated chefs in the country. And after the death of his brother, he comes home to run his uh, his family's sandwich shop, like uh, Italian beef sandwich shop in Chicago. And there's been a lot of talk in in pop culture and in media about how like kitchen shows don't work, like scripted kitchen shows don't work because it's so hard to like communicate what is going on in a kitchen compared to like other workplace uh, environments. But the thing that the bear did so incredibly well was like, you know this, your family owned a restaurant for years. I worked in food service, like the nerves and the stress that happens over serving a salad or serving a sandwich or doing whatever, getting the apps out or whatever is so incredibly intense when you're in that moment. But it does kind of look a little bit bizarre on the outside. And when you step away and think about it, the bear nailed that so perfectly and never more than in episode seven of the season, which was called review, which was only, I think maybe 22, 23 minutes But it was all done in a single shot. Now, we've seen a lot of things do um, what looks to be a single tracking shot. Obviously, the West Wing and Aaron Sorkin is known for them. But like those are generally fairly short. Birdman was a movie that looked like a tracking shot the whole time, but it was done with a lot of creative editing. But episode seven of The Bear was one 24 minute shot. They rehearsed it like a play and it was by the time you realize what's going on, like you're almost breathless by how intense it is. Um, The rest of the season is just as incredible to me. Uh, The performances are great. In addition to Jeremy Allen White, Um, we have Ayo Adabiri, who made her Broadway debut in uh, Matilda, the musical, a number of years ago. Uh, Evan Moss Bacharach is in there as well. Liza Colon Zayas, who I just saw in Between Riverside and Crazy on Broadway. Abby Elliott shows up. Lionel Boyce, who plays... um, like the the bread maker and pastry chef is just wonderful. You've got appearances by Oliver Platt, um, John Bernthal, Joel McHale, Amy Morton, Molly Ringwald. Uh, I just uh, adored this, and I didn't think that I would, having been in food service. I was like, eh, I've been there. I don't need to see it. But it was remarkable, and all the hype for this show was certainly well-deserved. Yeah, and if you worked in in a kitchen or in a food service restaurant, like it's triggering because that's how yeah. good it is. Like the anxiety, the sweat, the smell. Like I felt all those things watching that show. Yeah, absolutely remarkable. Uh, all right, Jen, what is your number two? I'm going to go with a specific episode of a show that was canceled called Rutherford Falls. Mm, yeah. Rutherford Falls was on Peacock for th- two seasons. And it is basically the story of a white man, Ed Helms, who is like the son of the town. The town's named after his family, only to find out that it's really an indigenous town that his family, um, what's the word, appropriated. Mm -hmm. So his best friend happens to be an indigenous woman and they... She runs the the Native Museum there, and it's a great comedy, but it also has a lot of Indigenous actors, and uh, the creator is Indigenous. And I'm going to talk about the episode called Adirondack, where the 
his best friend is invited to be a consultant on the most popular Western show on TV called Adirondack. Now, whether this is spoofing another popular Western on TV, I'm going to guess it is. Um, but they are there, her, her and her other friend of the indigenous people there are invited to be consultants as their representations on the show are a little racist and stereotypical. Um, and they go to be consultants on Adirondack. The funniest thing is, is that Adirondack is the most popular show within her tribe. All mm-hmm. the elders watch it. They think it's hilarious the way they portray them, but they're trying to get a more righteous representation. Um, so it's a very cleverly written episode with a lesson in it that doesn't slap you across the face. And even though they are clearly spoofing something, they never really state it outright, but boy, the producers of that were defensive about it. <laughs> um, anyway, the show has gone too soon. I think it was really underrated and I'm sad that it's gone. But um, if you are in to learning about more indigenous culture and want to support that community, I also highly recommend Reservation Dogs. Yeah, Reservation Dogs showed up on a lot of people's top 10, top 20 lists of the season. So both of those shows are things that I have wanted to watch and haven't had an opportunity to. So uh, I will definitely check them out at some point. All right, I'm going to circle back to something that we kind of mentioned for my number two. And this is another book. It is another book that in the audio form is narrated by a Broadway star. It is a book that I know you have read with the audio version narrated by said Broadway star. And this is a book that absolutely bowled me over because I picked it up reading the description of it thinking I knew exactly what it was. It is a, it kind of presents itself as uh, a somewhat of a romantic comedy with a little supernatural twist. I've seen all the Hallmark movies. I know how these things work. I knew exactly what Rebecca Surley's In Five Years was. I, I picked it up. I knew what I wanted. I was going to get it because this was just a a trite, kind of straightforward, romantic, supernaturally type thing. Then you get, I don't know, a th- halfway through, a third of the way through, and you realize, holy crap, this is not what this book is. And it was even better for it. And it absolutely bowled me over. And I wept multiple times, which is not difficult for me to do. But what this book turned out to be, which was more of an examination of friendship and chosen family and loss and grief, was... I'm getting chills just kind of thinking about the book right now, but it was remarkable. One of the best things I've read in a long time. But as you informed me, the book was narrated by Megan Hilty, which almost makes me feel like I have to go back and listen to it. But uh, I loved this book. One of my favorite books that I've read in a really long time, Jen. Well, like I said, when Broadway stars are the narrators, it makes them 10 times more entertaining. Yeah. One of my favorites. So, um, all right. That brings us to number one. I, I, I can almost guarantee we are not going to have an overlap now because I don't think you've watched my number one. Uh, So, Jen, what is your number one favorite pop culture thing from the year of our Lord 2022? Stranger Things. Yep. Not not on my list. (laughs) I knew it wouldn't be. Um, Season four of Stranger Things. I've talked about it before. It was the the best series season of the series, especially episode four. It's called Dear Billy. I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but I will tell you that it pushed the artist Kate Bush back to number one after 30 years with her song Running Up That Hill. You, I'm sure you know that because it was everywhere for about a month. And then it also 
pushed another band onto the charts again with Metallica's Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. And I just, the Russo brothers and um, what's the guy's name that did Adam Project? Dan Levy? Sean Levy. Sean Levy. Dan Levy. Yeah. Sean Levy. Uh, they really know what they're doing with the music. And when you're watching a show about nostalgia set in the 80s, you, you got to nail the music. <laughs> and boy, did they ever. So it was so unexpected after such a long break um, that they would come back and do what was basically the equivalent of six feature films. And every moment of it was riveting. And it made me so, so very happy. So that was my number one moment of the year. Awesome. Very cool. I, I watched the first season of Stranger Things and I enjoyed it, but I it's one of those things where I fell behind and it was like, oh, do I want to catch up? But you talking about season four makes me feel like it is worth the investment to do. All right. My number one is a show that I have talked about as well. Uh, and it's a show that just for multiple reasons, one, because it's like a Canadian production, two, because it's on Prime Video, that it did not get the love that I absolutely think it should it is a comedy series that stars um jordan gavaris who i first became aware of and you first became aware of i'm assuming from orphan black he plays the stepbrother to julia styles and they essentially are battling over their family's lake house um to complicate matters even more jordan who is gay has just broken up with his long time a long-term partner but he is coming back to the lake that he spent most of his summers on growing up with his teenage daughter, who he and his high school best friend gave up for adoption um, when they were very young. And this is like the first time that they are really having an opportunity to bond. And um, she is played by Madison Shaymoon, I believe, or Shaymoun. Um, But it was, again, funny, unexpected, also sweet and touching. Um, great supporting cast. Um, Jared Scott is is really good in this. Terry Chen, um, Travis Nelson, Natalie Lisinska, who is also from Orphan Black. Um, John Doerr is really funny as well. And um, Declan Whaley plays um, Julia Stiles, I think 11-year-old son, who is very openly genderqueer and... Um, is is explores that with all the love and support you would want to see in a family, but is also kind of a monster. So it, it's just a really tremendous show. Really, really fun. They've already shot season two. So I'm assuming it'll be coming to prime video in the summer, but I loved this series and it kind of fits in line with a lot of the things that I enjoyed from theater this past year, which are fun kind of traditional comedic things that also have a lot to say about, family and about relationships and about, you know, personalities and, and different types of people. So, um, I loved the lake again, also doesn't hurt that it's eight episodes, 30 ish minutes long. Um, but it was really tremendous from start to finish and I devoured it in like three days. So the lake on prime video is my number one thing of 2022. Okay. Should we do some honorable mentions? Yeah, go for it. What do you have on your list um, that deserves a shout out but didn't quite crack the top 10? Okay, for honorable mentions for TV, I have Our Flag Means Death on HBO. And I have Willow on Disney+, Plus, which we are enjoying the crap out of. 
um, from movies. I have everything everywhere all at once. And uh, a movie that came out a few years ago, but I just watched this year for the first time called Anna and the Apocalypse. And I can't mm. stop listening to the, sa- the soundtrack. Yeah. Very good. I have um, a lot of things on my list. Some of them we've talked about, some of them I haven't, but um, I mostly enjoyed Shining Girls on Apple TV+. Plus. I watched The Tourist, which is like, I think, a New Zealand show. Um, it's on HBO Max. Um, the Old Man started out incredibly from FX and Hulu, waned a little bit towards the second half. Dark Winds I really enjoyed on AMC+. Plus. I mentioned The After Party on, on Apple TV+, Plus, which is great. It has a lot of kind of Knives Out vibes as well. Um, Russian Doll season two from Netflix was good. Peacemaker, Pachenko, uh, HBO Max were tremendous. I really liked Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Did not live up to the first one, but um, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Uh, And then there's three shows that I've started and have not yet finished. I have watched the first two episodes of the Prime Video Emily Blunt TV show called The English, which is really great and really weird and different. It's a Western, but it's a lot more than that. I watched the first couple episodes of The Patient on FX and Hulu, starring Domin Hall Gleason and Steve Carell. Haven't finished that, but I, I plan on it. And then I watched the first episode of Andor, and it was just, again, bad timing. Like, I think it came out right before I was getting ready to go to New York in November, and then it was the holidays and it was the middle of football season. Um, a lot of people talk about, like, that's the best thing that Star Wars has done in a really long time. Um, and I'm not a huge Star Wars person, but I, I enjoy it. So I'm going to dive back into those when I have a little bit more time once football season is over. Um, but it, worth mentioning, I think, those three that I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. And had I finished them very well, could have could have cracked that top 10 in some form. Yeah, Andor was great. The first three episodes, I was like, oh my God, this is so boring. I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> and then episode four started and I was like, Oh God, this is so good. And it never stopped. Great. So they table they table set for a bit, but it all pays off. Okay. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about resolutions. I'm gonna run through some of the ones that I had that I gave to myself in 2022. My big one was that I wanted to see 52 non-New York plays in the calendar year. Friends, I'm sorry to tell you that I failed. I only got 49. Um, Unfortunately, though, I probably paid for 56 or so, and there were just some that I didn't end up going to, either because I was busy, there were conflicts, weather, um, whatever. Um, So I feel like I contributed, like I can maybe split the difference. Um, I'm going to try to do that again this year. and and kind of see as much as I can outside of New York, even though I probably saw even more in New York this year. I probably I haven't counted everything up yet, but I'm sure I'm, I was over 100, uh, maybe even closer to 120 in terms of shows I saw in 2022. Did not quite make the 52 non-New York ones, though, but I got pretty close, so I'm happy about that. I also gave myself a resolution to watch some overseas crime dramas, Killing Eve, Broadchurch, Happy Valley, Peaky Blinders, Luther. Did not watch a single one. Um, I, I have these two vintage movie calendars that I wanted to watch the movies for each month. I started off by watching um, You'll Never Get Rich, which is a... Um, a musical comedy that I believe had um, Fred Astaire in it. Really good. It was great. Watched The Big Sleep as well. Those were the January installments. Those are the last things that I watched. Um, I also wanted to watch something like stay current on a TV show throughout the course of the year. I did really, really well through the summer. Once football season start started, that fell behind and I did not finish it. Um, 
Oh, Ipcris file. It's, I really like the Ipcris file as well um, as a show that should be an honorable mention, but um, those I did not do quite as well on. So, um, Jen, were there any other pop culture resolutions that you gave yourself? You talked about the horror one, and, and we gave each other some that we'll get to in a second, but was there anything else that you um, wanted to do on your own? Well, I said that I was going to read more novels instead of autobiographies, mm -hmm. and I read all autobiographies and two novels, okay, and the two novels were my favorite of the year. So I'm going to re-up that for this year because I just started a novel today, and I'm going to try and do that um, more, even though I also bought an autobiography. Okay. I have this addiction to autobiographies. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird because like, I used to think like, oh, I'm, I'm a nonfiction person. And then once I started getting into novels, like, okay, this is much better. I, I know. I, I love it. I just don't know why I don't read more. Like I said, I wanted to watch more horror, which I did. I said that I was going to stop watching TV shows out of obligation when I don't en enjoy them anymore, which I did. Um, I was going to wean myself more off award shows, which I didn't. I decided not to watch the Oscars. And then at the last minute I did. Mm. And I wished I hadn't. Yeah, that was, that was um, a mess. And then the last one was for you. So, yeah, um, I don't think I did. It's about 50% I did. Yeah, yeah I did. better than I did. Better than I did. Yeah. Um, all right. So we gave each other some recommendations. Um, do you want to talk about the one you gave me first or the one I gave you first? I implored you to watch one of three series that are some of my favorites. Mythic Quest, Twin Peaks, or Battlestar Galactica. And... How did you do? Um, I don't remember it that way. I remember it just as being Mythic Quest, but... Um, Maybe I just chose one. I wrote it down. Yeah. I I had w started watching Battlestar Galactica for something else that we had done years ago, and I enjoyed it. I just haven't finished it. Um, but I was supposed to watch uh, Mythic Quest, which is a show on Apple TV Plus that um, kind of chronicles the inner workings of a video game company. Um. We are recording on what is today, the 29th of December. I had not watched this until like the 26th of, of December, but I did watch the entire first season and it was tremendous. Um, it stars Rob McElhenney, um, Ashley Birch. Um, my favorite character is Charlotte Nick, uh, mm, Nick, Nick, um, as Poppy Lee, who is the lead engineer and won't spoil what happens after that of the video game mythic quest she's tremendous also features danny pooty f murray abraham um and another of um, another folks jesse ennis is absolutely deranged as joe the assistant and um i just i i i really enjoyed this i'm gonna there's another there's like two covid episodes and then a second season that is already completed i believe they are in the middle of airing the third episode or third season right now this is definitely one that i will catch up on but i really really liked the first season uh, and i'm glad that you challenged me to do that i'm glad that you watched it i knew it was your type of thing i know you like workplace comedies and um uh, my favorite character is david the cringy oh my god the executive the producer yeah Oh my God, he's my favorite, but it's just a really strong ensemble of people you know and people you've never seen before, but boy, do they work well together. I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, very good. I enjoyed that. Conversely, I challenged you to watch something that I did not know if it, well, I thought you would like it, but I don't think you thought you would like it. And that was one of my favorite things of all time. Although full disclosure, this past season, not as great as some of the other ones, 
But that is the Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off. Um, I wanted you to pick a season, watch any season. And how many seasons of GBBO have you now watched, Jen? I have watched four. (laughs) I've watched series eight, nine, 10, and 11. So complicated. Or on Netflix, their collection five, six, seven, and eight. Um, And I love, we're obsessed with it. Like the first episode we were watching, I was like, so what are they just going to make cakes? And yes. then by the end of the episode, I was like, you can't do that with, with caramel, Liam. Like, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> you get so involved. And it was everything you said it would be. Like, there's not, there's nothing vicious about it. There's no villain. There's no one to root against. You want everyone to win. And I genuinely cry when people leave. Yeah. Because they're all really good at what they do. They just, they're not the best that day. They can be the best at something. Like, in the one series, the, the lady was... A, the best at patisserie and at patisserie week she just fell apart and um it it is riveting and i literally like space them out because i don't want them to be over and not have one sitting waiting for me so yeah we'll probably be hitting series 12 collection 9 soon because yeah. it's we're, we're due yeah they're great i loved it i'm so glad you recommended it there are ways to watch the ones that are not technically available in the U.S. So we can talk about the, that uh, off air. What's great is Roku, the Roku channel, has brought back the Great American Baking Show, which aired sporadically on like ABC and CBS, uh, I think probably in the early 2010s and teens, like different hosts um, like Nia Vardalis and her husband hosted it for a while. Jeff Foxworthy hosted it for a while. It is now hosted by... Um, Zach Cherry, who we talked about from Severance earlier, and Ellie Kemper. And uh, the judges are still like they are currently for GBBO, Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. And it is actually filmed in the GBBO tent in London. So they're doing the American version in the tent over there. They had a great celebrity episode. Um, It featured (laughs) Marshawn Lynch, Chloe (laughs) Fineman from Saturday Night Live, the phenomenal Darcy Carden from... Uh, the Good Place, Liza Koshy, who is, I guess, an influencer, but an actress and a comedian. Like, but she was so great. Um, Joel Kim Booster and uh, Academy Award winner Nat Faxon uh, as well. So that was that's available on Roku right now, and I believe the season proper is coming in 2023, uh, like the the official Great American Baking Show. But um, really enjoyed it. Um, I love everything about it. I have also started watching the great pottery throwdown as well. I've watched a couple seasons of that, which is from the same people. Um, it's not the exact same vibe because it's a, a much different process, but a very similar thing um, out of the UK as well. So. All right, Jen, um, have you had time to come up with your resolution for me since you didn't think I fo- followed through on the mythic quest? <laughs> Well, because as of a week ago, you hadn't. Yes. So I was like, you were oh, right. I'm just going to tell him to do it wrong. again. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but you kind of fed it to me. So I'm going to do what you said you think you might do anyway. And I'm going to ask you to catch up on Stranger Things. And okay. I hope that I haven't oversold it because I don't want, <laughs> I certainly don't want you to get to season four and be like, all right, it was fine, but yeah. geez. Um, and I will say that even if you think the seasons are diminishing as they go on, um, like with Andor, every every single thing pays off. Just know that everything in the series is there for a reason. And I okay. think that's just masterful. Um, but I think that you'll really appreciate the performances and watching the kids grow and Sadie Sink in season four. Yeah. 
she'll blow you away. Well, and she's another musical theater person. Yeah, mm-hmm. love the Broadway folks. Um, I believe she was in uh, uh, on Broadway in Annie and the audience playing young Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and that, um, and apparently she, uh, was in the Americans as well, uh, for a little bit. So, uh, looking forward to that. I can definitely do that. Um, my recommendation or my resolution, I, I, I've gone back and forth because obviously I want you to watch the lake, um, because I think you would like it. It seems like something you would like, but I also realized that like, I already me- watched it. Oh, you did watch the lake. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, uh mind. I'm not going to do that one. Um, so what there, did- we both did that to each other. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, so what I'm going to do is, is a little different though. So here's what I want a resolution for you, Jen. And this is a kind of a resolution that will involve me as well. I would like us to do something that we really have only ever done once before. And that was with, um, uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist, but I would like for us to pick something and I will let you pick what it is. And recap it in fairly real time with streaming. Things are all different because like if it's something on streaming, it'll drop on one day, but you can watch it whenever. But I'd like for us to pick a show, whether it is a returning show or a new show, something that we have some sort of connection to, something we don't have some connection to, to pick something and then to have us go through the season. It can be a six episode season. It can be a 20 episode season. I will leave that up to you, but I would like for us to get back into a routine of doing a podcast about a show um, to not only give us something that we can enjoy on our own, but enjoy it together, which I always find um, a little bit more exciting when we can talk about something that we both really uh, have taken to. Okay. We can do that. Um, I have to think, I have to think about it, but yeah, yeah, it can be whenever it it can be because the weird TV calendars are so cyclical, like so many great things happen in the spring before the Emmys cut off. And then a lot of things happen in the fall. I will leave this up to you whenever you want to decide, whenever you see something and you're like, you know what? We both really like this. Um, Let's do it. And again, can be something that's coming back or can be something new. Um, Totally up to you. The other thing I had to, and then I had to go and get a stupid full-time job. I know that was really bad on your part. (laughs) Um, but uh, another thing that I think is a resolution that we both share is in 2023, I feel like we are finally after however many years of working together and podcasting together, I think we're going to have to meet in person, right? Yeah. That was one of my things I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. We were going to, we were going to try and time a New York trip because I'll be going back East uh, to visit my family over the summer. And since you go to New York every other week, I figured it might not be that hard to time it um, yeah. together. And uh, let's do it. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> it, it would be very crazy. Um, you, you have like, I think you have like a time line, but not exactly anything um, set in stone in terms of, of when you're going to be there. So just keep me updated. I, I will note that our very first, podcast episode dropped on October 1st, 2015. So this coming year will be seven years or will be eight Eight. years (laughs) um, since we first did an episode together. So keep me updated. I will be there. Um, I'm like I said, I'm going to try to do the same 52 shows that I did last year. Um, I don't know. Do you have any other pop culture things that you want to try to do this year that 
I guess you want to put out there into the world as resolutions? Well, I definitely want to watch more educational documentaries. Like I like watching documentaries in general, but I mean like long form documentaries where I'm learning something I didn't learn in school. Um, so I might take on another one of Ken Burns cause I like his style So he has one on baseball. I think that I would like to check out. Oh yeah. Um, I know he just came out on one with the Holocaust. I don't know if I'm mentally in a place for that right now, but I would definitely like to get to that at some point. The other thing is, is I want to watch more movies that were made before 1980 because I hmm. tend to fall into a, a rut of only watching movies made in the last few years. But every time we watch one, bef- like older movies, I love it. And I was like, oh, we got to watch more of these. We watched The Evil Dead this year. We watched Alien. And even just last week, we watched It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm like, God, we got to watch more old movies. Um, so that's one of mine. And then, like like I said, I'd like to you know get more into novels and more reading. And I got to cut back on podcasts because they're just... There's too, too much. much. It's too much. So, but yeah, just just those things. Um, those are great. I am going to try to make another resolution here that kind of accompanies my one about seeing 52 shows. I am going to try to do a podcast review of every show that I see in 2023. Now, these might be standalone things. They might be things where I group shows together. Um they might be talking about them on today on Broadway or if we pick up this weekend in theater again um, or this month in theater, whatever we called that show. Um, but I want to try to make sure that every show I see, I talk about. Um, I'm kind of going to be gearing up for something, I think, I hope, knock on wood, in 2024. So that is going to kind of be some things that I want to prep myself on to kind of thinking about shows in a different way than I probably normally do. So that'll be part of that as well. And then I just want to, I want to watch things. I want to, I want to fill in some holes in my, in my, uh, in my pop culture knowledge and whether those new things are old things, but I don't want to let too many things fall through the cracks. All right, Jen, I think that's all we've got. I feel like that was a very successful episode. We covered a lot of ground, both new and old. Anything else that we need to uh, talk about before we head out into the wild blue yonder that is 2023? Uh, I think we just all need to to be nice to each other Mm -hmm. and remember that depression has many faces and to not just check in on your friends, but really, really see how they're doing and make sure that they're going to be around with us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that is all that we have. Thank you for listening to this episode of Broadway Radio's Some Like a Pop podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can find Jen. Are you? Is it just Instagram now? Uh, my Instagram's private. I'm on Hive, Post, and Mastodon. Anywhere that's not Twitter, you can find me. <laughs> you've done. You've done the signing. I just. I'm. T- I. I can't. I, I just don't have the energy to learn how to do anything else. Is my problem. That's fine. It's everyone has their own choices, Matt. We all yeah. have our own journeys. Yeah. Um, all right, you can find her at Eponine Q on those uh, on those different social media platforms. Have a wonderful end to your 2022 and a great beginning to 2023. Let us know what your favorite things were from this past year. We would love to hear what some things are that we might have missed. But anyway, happy new year, happy holidays, and we will talk to you again soon.